right, everyone. Welcome to the White Room. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the White Room. This is Tennessee Wildcast. I'm Doug Markham, Jason Harmon. We'll introduce our special guest here in a minute. Probably already seen his name. Yeah. <laughs> Commissioner Bill Cox. We we're gave gonna, it away we're early. We're going to have a good discussion with him today. We're in. This is going to be our studio. It is our studio. We just got a whole lot of work to do, right? Yeah, we're going to spruce it up a little bit, get rid of these white walls, hang a few more things on the walls, and, and make it look more like a cabin or a studio. Yeah, we're getting there. Outdoorsy. I mean, we've been everywhere from Kentucky Lake to the Region 2 parking lot to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all over the place. But we're going to sell in here eventually. We're still going to travel sometimes, all right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. This is Tennessee Wildcast, as I said, and it's your show. It's about the agency. It's about what we do. It's about the resource. And more and more folks are learning about it, but we got a ways to go. We want folks to learn more about this show. It's a podcast. We're on all the time. Uh, if you want to listen to us at midnight because you can't sleep, well, you can get up at midnight and listen to us. You can listen to Jason and Doug and whoever else is on the show. That's Mr. right. Mr. Bill Cox. Mr. Bill Cox. Yeah, just a little bit on current events. Not a whole lot going on right now. Uh, all our seasons have been set. Commissioner Cox had a lot to do with that because he is a commissioner, but they're set. And if you haven't been out to our website at tnwildlife.org, you can go out there and and see all the seasons. We put out a one-page summary on most of the ones that you worry about. Mm-hmm. And uh, it will tell you when deer season is, bear season is, rabbit season is, on and on and on. All right, yep. And then also, it is the boating time of year. We're into the serious boating time of year. Our accidents are down pretty good. I think folks are paying attention. We've been doing a lot of work to try to tell them to wear those life jackets. Right. Here in Middle Tennessee, we have had a couple of drownings. Both of them know, know wearing their life jackets on a lake called Percy Priest. If you're from Middle Tennessee, you know where that is. But we want you to wear those life jackets and get out there and be safe. So far, knock on wood, pretty good year so far. Yeah, so far, pretty good. Just make sure you keep them on those kids. That's, the, that's really important. That's Even the adults need to wear them. But. They do, uh, but the law is 12 or under. Yeah. If you're under, if you're 12 and under, you got to wear that jacket if you're moving. If you're, And that means if you're sitting on the bank and you're not tied to it, you got to have on a life jacket. Exactly. So. And uh, one other thing, the kayak folks are, that, are, that are growing in popularity, that love doing their kayaks, uh, you have to follow the same rules as the folks in the big boats. And that mm-hmm. means if you're out at nighttime on the boat, you got to have those lights on, okay? And you got to figure out a way to light up that kayak because if you're out there in the middle and somebody runs over and you don't have your lights on, it's your fault. And, and we may have discussed this last week, but we're going to put together a video on what paddleboarders and kayakers need to do, yep. you know, uh, when they're on the water, what they need to have and the regulations on that. Yeah, we'll be doing that. Keep an eye on the website because we're putting a lot of stuff out there that we want you to see. We have a 13-member commission that governs the Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency. There's a couple ex-officio members on there too, whatever that means. But we got 13 people that are there all the time. And one of them is Commissioner Bill Cox here from Collierville. He's been on the commission, I believe, four years this time. Going on four years, that's right. Going on four. And you, you're one of the rare folks that actually have had two terms. So you were on here last lucky time. Lucky guy. We, yeah, lucky guy. When was your last time on here? I was on from 2000 to 2000, through 2006. Okay. Chairman 2005. Okay. And uh, for whatever reason, you came back again. Uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great experience, and if you like hunting and fishing in the outdoors, and you get to to work around the guys that are experts and they do it for a living, uh, and and make a contribution, it's it's great. All right, I, I really had a nice time. Well, let's let's talk about that. The, there are commission. The commission has been around a long time. It, it is uh, it's a position that is appointed often by the governor or there's a, a few seats that are done by the house and the senate all that's just a bunch of shop talk uh but it's still how you get on here once you get on here though you represent 
sportsmen. How does that work? You're from Collierville, the western part of the state. What does there, that mean? There are some at-large positions that the Senate and the House speakers appoint, but the governor's nine appointments uh, represent uh, three at each grand division and each congressional area. Mine's nine, so I've got the southwest part of the state, uh, uh, Shelby County, Fayette, Hardeman, Chester, Lauderdale. I don't want to leave anybody out, but there's but, but you don't really, you know, you concentrate on, on what's going on in your part of the state, but you really, you're, you're representing the entire state and concerned about what's, I mean, right. con as concerned about what's going on in Bristol as I am in Memphis. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, a lot of our management has statewide implications, sure. right? A lot of things Absolutely. that do don't just occur in just in small <clears throat> areas. Uh, what, tell us a little bit about Collierville. I, I went, I visited you there the other day. It's the first time I'd ever been there. Nick Place. It is. Collierville is, uh. It's an old town. We've got a great historic area downtown and and where I grew up. And uh, I think Carville now has about 48,000 people. Wow. And it's in really, Shelby it's County. Really, it's Shelby County. In eastern Shelby County, it's really growing. Uh, the changes in the school systems there. We've got our own school system, as some of the other suburban towns have now. And, and the demand for housing has skyrocketed because because of the good schools and we've got a great police department great fire department so it's a it's a the difference between Collierville and some of the other towns is we've got a, a square where the old commercial district was with, with buildings around the park and if i'm not mistaken we're the only town in the in the state that, that has that a park without a courthouse because we're not the county seat memphis is the county seat but you can go to some of these other beautiful towns, uh, Fayetteville, uh, Somerville, Bolivar, yeah. Brownsville. They've all got the same setup, but they've got a courthouse. Ours doesn't have a courthouse, so we've got the entire park, and there's concerts on Thursday night, and it's, it's, it's a great small-town atmosphere, and people say it's like, kind of like Mayberry. All right. Well, I surely liked it. Why is there with the railroad track running right by your, by your beautiful home there? There's another – thing there a person there that's been important to our industry and we had him on the show not long ago and that's bill dance right yep. there in collierville yep he lives just north of town and and uh i've known bill for 35 38 years or something and he is a uh, he, he does so much not only for for himself and the promotion of his show and the and the things that he has accomplished for makes a living doing it he does things for our agency and for getting people involved in fishing in the outdoors that nobody knows about that that he has been such a great influence and in giving of his time and him of, of himself that 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 is just amazing he is a nice guy I, we were talking before the show started i've, I've met mm -hmm. a lot of the guys in the industry that are that are pretty famous in the fishing world and you meet them personally and you kind of draw how you feel about him and and most of them are relatively nice folks but bill dance he's Never been anything but kind to me and everybody I've seen him talk to. He's like that to everybody. He's, he's never met a stranger. He appreciates the support that people give him by watching his show and, and buying the products that he, that he promotes. And, and, and his, but his show is different from others, and it's an educational show. Not only does he – he doesn't come on there and smile and say, look what I caught. He wants to tell you how he caught it, where he caught it, the conditions of the water, the lure he's using, how do you put his presentation, what what are the electronics he's using, what time of day it is. He gives you the whole package. If you watch his shows, you can learn how to fish. 
bass fish or anything else. He's gotten into he loves catfishing and and all the other. But now he's he, out on the ocean. But it's an, yeah. it, that's his show has lasted because it's an educational show. I agree with that, and he's done so many of them. We were while we were in the studio the other day, and I forget the name of the gadget. Uh, I'm not being a very good sponsor for him, but. Uh, but he showed us something where you can attach line without tying it, where it actually fused the line together, and it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was. I, I, I'm sorry, I don't know what that was either. But it was, it was a new product that that was that stronger you don't need than, a notch. You put it in there, and it fuses it together. And, and he says it's stronger than any notch yep, you could tie. So I wish I remember what it was, but I can't. I do too. I, well, I thought you were going to get one before it's <laughs> over. <laughs> You're working him pretty good. Anyway. I told him I, I didn't need one as long as he had one. So <laughs> That's <could> true. <laughs> this is true. Uh, all right. You uh, let's get back to the commission. You guys have had to deal with a lot through the years. I, to me, watching, observing the commissions, it's it's in good shape. I mean, there's not a lot of controversy that goes on with the commission. I don't think anymore. There are a few little things that flare up from time to time. What what's going on right now in the in the terms of the resource? We're going to talk about money in a little bit, but in terms of resource, deer, turkey, what's going on that that concerns you the most? Well, for current events, I think the the what we've been talking about just lately, the the, the chronic wasting disease that is uh, affecting a lot of the states, Colorado, Wisconsin, uh, but it's found in Arkansas, and it's and it was kind of a surprise to them and to everybody else, and and it's not contained at this point, and they're finding new cases around, and and it's different, a little bit different than Virginia. They've got about four counties in the northeastern part of Virginia, and they just had two more fines last year, but they are in the same containment area. So Arkansas has caused us to have some uh, some long discussions about what we need to do to react, and the agency and Chuck Yost have put together a plan, that uh, reaction plan, to help help prevent us from 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 having it affect our deer and a reaction plan to what happens if it does so you know we're looking at at all the tools in our toolbox to to determine what we can best do to to uh, stop it from coming to tennessee and i we don't there are not a lot of things we can do but there are a few things that we can do that we feel like are are proactive okay I have this feeling that one day it's going to happen here. I hope it doesn't. But is that is it a feeling that's shared among the commission that we're facing this the reality one day, or do you believe that it, we can stop it? That we can stop it somehow from crossing our borders? That's a tough question. I had uh, I, I had somebody tell me ten or twelve years ago when they were dealing with this in the Midwest that you know it's just a matter of time till it till it's everywhere. It's not if it's when. You know that's probably true, but uh, if we treat this, and some of the discussion we had on a conference call last week, that and we've got a, a, a variety of members of the commission, from lawyers to business people. We got two doctors, and and the doctors are brought the the comparison to hazardous material that they deal with in their businesses from the way they deal with hypodermic needles and blood and and the, the care they have to take and the disposal that they have of 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 their things if they if you if you relate that to a hazardous material whether it's a hide or a head or however you treat the deer and properly disposing of it so that was a new angle that we had not ever talked about the way to 
to, to talk about CWD and infected, possibly affected carcasses. If you, if we can educate the hunter and the taxidermist and the processors that that this is potentially hazardous material that you're dealing with, and you need to dispose, handle it properly, dispose of it properly. Uh, which, by the way, the meat's not affected. You can eat the meat. It's it's that that that's not a, a very very sick deer with CWD is emaciated and and you probably uh you either might not kill it or you you wouldn't eat it if you saw it but if you saw it you might kill it to get it out of his misery. you might do yeah. that but yeah. but i doubt you would you would eat it so you know whether it's closing state borders that have cwd to prevent importation it's already against the law to live to import live deer and if we treat our own deer like a hazardous material and that sounds bad but if you treat if you respect the possibility that it that it it could happen then and probably disposing handling disposing you know the research says that this that the infected areas of this where, where these deer are when they when they are in an area and they leave there they urinate on the ground and grass grows in that dirt and then another deer eats the grass that deer will become affected infected with the prions that that are that stay in the soil and stay in the so there's another question now. Do, if we cut hay off of land that is infected with CWD, is that hay infected? We don't know whether that's true or not. So there's some still some questions out there. So that I think that's a that's a that's a kind of a big deal. Okay. Well, I know a few years ago the agency and and you can tell me what the commission did, but the Tennessee Wildlife Federation, a lot of sportsmen fought hard to stop Tennessee from having its native deer enclosed in pens and 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 uh, used commercially what was the commission's view on that and and obviously it was the right choice well the, none of us like deer farming and the the uh, the first cases of cwd were around a commercial deer farm mm-hmm. and f- the the cause or the wherever it, wherever it originated i don't think science knows how it got here but it originated around fa- a deer farm and commercially breeding and selling and transporting live cervids, which is what a deer is, uh, is is against the law in Tennessee. And the commission realized that that was in Arkansas farms deer, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden now they've got CWD. And got it. So they worse than they realized. Yes. yes. Somebody brought a deer in that was infected and affected their areas is what I, I suspect. And. And whether it's that or, or one crossed the line from Missouri or whatever, it's uh, because Missouri's got infected areas. It's so the commission was pretty much uh, that's a slam dunk it, to, to because it's this is serious and it's and of course we've got captive elk that the Department of Agriculture manages and 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 forces and I hope they're doing a, a really good job. But Which is going, a servant, right? It, it is a servant, and we're we're. Uh, the, the, we've opened the communication with them based on what we've talked about last week. In Arkansas's case, we're what that's another quiver air in the quiver that we might work with them to be uh, more dil- diligent around their their elk farms to for the transportation and the movement and that kind of thing. Okay, all right. So that's a big issue, and the chronic wasted disease plan has been written, and we're going to put it on our on our website at some point, right. so if everybody can read it. We want sportsmen to be able to see what would happen if we had to take that kind of action and you don't want it to have it happen a lot of work went into restoring deer and elk and you got to go out and, and pretty much kill a, a 
an area of the population. Yeah, and, and it's it's we didn't talk about what happens, but it affects the deer, and it's a brain disease. It basically eats holes in the brain, and the deer dies. It's 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 fatal, hundred percent. And and whether it whether disease kills the animals in some states, they have tried to eliminate it by having mass killings or shootings of the deer herd to reduce the deer herd by 40% or something. And that hadn't worked, but the disease spreads and it will kill a large portion of the, of the deer. And that'd be devastated to, to any state that gets affected. Okay. Moving on a little bit here. What, who calls you the most commissioner? Are you the representative for the sportsman in your portion of West Tennessee that you talked about a few minutes ago? Who calls you? Does the fisherman call you? The hunter call you? The deer hunter? The turkey hunter? The bass angler? The crappie angler? Who calls Commissioner Cox most of the time wanting to, to get you know, done? I don't get as many calls as um, as a lot of areas in the state, and I kind of joke that I keep everything kind of quiet down in my area. <laughs> but, you know, it depends on what – what may be coming up if there's if we're if 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 the media if we're considering or the agency's considering recommending or the commission's considering making a change in the bass length limit at Pickwick or the the deer from buck limit from three to two, whatever the hot button issue is at the time are the ones you get the emails and the phone calls. So I don't get uh, a lot of calls. I I get more calls. I suppose from people who uh, they either want to know the law. I mean, the, as soon as I got appointed, everybody wants to ask me what the what the law is about this and that. I said, wait a minute now. I'll give you an 800 <laughs> number to call, but I don't know the law. So so I get calls about that. I get calls about how to get involved, uh, and, I, and I refer them to someone or our website or the Jackson office, which is in our region, and, and try to help them find what they need to do to be involved in whatever – outdoor it is if it's hunting or fishing or sctp or whatever they might want to do i refer them to the to the right person even the the only thing i saw this last time that was close to controversial is the antlerless and the change in the antlerless length limit now it's if it breaks the hairline it's 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 considered a buck it is not even a lot of controversy this time over there and and i got a few emails about that but it was um not centered in just the just the counties that I represent. It was just a – most everybody got the same emails from the same people. Mm-hmm. I didn't get specific just to me, but that was that was something that people had an issue with. And and I, I, and I understand because it, it you have to look more closely. So – but other states do it, and our hunters are smart. They're not mm-hmm. – you know, we, we'll – they, they'll know how to do that. I mean, it's not a – it's not something I don't think is, is necessarily unfair. You just have to pay a little more attention. Have you seen sportsmen through their solicitations of commissioners? Through the, and by the way, they're easy to get in touch with. You can go to our website, and every one of them's telephone numbers are listed out there and probably email addresses too. It's on our website right on the home page. Easy to find. Um, but have you seen a sportsman through the years, through your, your time or two, get what they wanted when they, when they solicited, at least in large numbers? Yeah, I've I've seen that influence uh, the commission several times. I mean, it uh, if we're thinking about making a change that is 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 especially if it's if it's widely unpopular, you know, our my job and my as the way I see it is is I represent the public, the agency, and, and 
is theoretically the agent. Of course, human beings are human beings, but the agency is supposed to give the agency the biology and the recommendations of of how we accomplish the goals that have been set out for deer and turkeys and fish and 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 habitat and conservation, whatever that is. Give me the biology, and then I balance that with what the public would like to do. You know, if the if we wanted to go to if the biology says, and I think you would probably find that for the health of the resource, setting a limit of X would would be fine. But if the public wants Y, I have to balance those two to make sure the resource is will be okay if we do that. We if we like shooting hen turkeys in the fall, that's popular. It's fun. We just closed that down to one because there's a concern about turkey. Well, a lot a lot of the people wanted to keep two or three or four. The agency said we need to cut it to to three, I think. We were concerned enough, and we were going to spend some money, some federal money on a four-year, six-year study. That made me concerned enough that if we're spending that kind of money, then killing the girls in the fall is not a smart thing to do. So we took it a step further and and even though three might have been precautionary enough, I got a lot of calls from people that wanted to cut it out completely. Well, I, I think when so I was – So that was influenced my decision. When I was reading – I read a lot of the comments that were sent in for sports when we were soliciting those comments, and the ones that I read the most were on turkey and, and wanting us to do something about the bag limits on turkeys. So I suppose they did play a pretty good – It does. And, and, and if you – if to influence – and not that an email doesn't, but – Writing letters, you say, well, it, it, they don't listen to us and they don't pay attention to that. That's not true. Just because we don't do what you ask us to do doesn't mean that we're not listening and asking the agency for their input and weighing that against. When one user group asked to do, to change something, and another part of either that user group or another user group is affected, then then we have to make the decision to balance the the, to be fair to all user groups. So so somebody came several years ago and wanted to change crow season of all things. I, you know, I, I thought crow season was open all the time, but it's not. It's migratory, so we, it's, it's, it's a season. So we had several people want to do this, but after that discussion, we had calls from the other people in that user group. So there was we had to – we changed some things, but not as much as they wanted. But if you want to affect a change for something that hadn't come up, you need to get – you need to rally your troops, write some emails, uh, be cognizant of other user groups, come to the meetings. I know it's hard because they're typically Thursday and Friday during the week and you can't take off work, but you need to write the commission with reasonable, fact-based requests that you've thought about and you can get a group you know, to, to, uh, to, to lobby basically and then we – bounce it off the agency to see how that affects the resource. I want to maximize – I want to exploit the resource as much as possible. I want everybody to do everything they want to do until it negatively affects another user group or the resource especially. If we if we have a – if I have a hard decision between this and that, I'm always going to vote to take care of the resource first and not what's what's popular. Okay. All right. We got about five minutes left in the segment. We got to talk about money. 
Okay. Okay. You are the chairman of the outreach retention committee, and that's why I've, we've got Commissioner Cox in today. We've got a meeting where we're going to be talking about how to attract more people to the to the outdoors world. Seems to me like it'd be easy. I can't imagine growing up not being in the outdoors, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that aren't now, and so there's a reason for that. We are we we are in the business, a recreational business, but we are a business, and even though we're government, we have to be funded some way, and then we happen to be funded almost completely by sportsman dollars and so commissioner is that the number one issue with you is it should be the number one issue with the wildlife agency i think that to continue to do the good works the agency does and we've got an outstanding agency uh, i'd put our agency on balance with anybody there are other state agencies that do some things better than what tennessee does but as a whole there is nobody that can beat our agency in performance of, of, of across the board. Now, to do that, you have to have money. A lot of state agencies have get part of the sales tax revenue, Arkansas, Virginia, Missouri. Uh, that there's a formula they have that when you buy a shotgun or outdoor equipment or whatever, that you pay sales tax and the state gets part of that. Well, they have invested that like one-eighth of one percent back to their wildlife agency to to do more good things, to get more people involved and hopefully sell more licenses and, and make more money. So to keep doing what we're doing, we've got to we've got to go to a model like that uh, or we've got to sell more licenses. So the retention and recruitment committee's job is to try to help the agency with the best ideas and to to retain the hunters and fishermen we've got through their programs and their outreach or to recruit children, men, women. It's a big spot that we're making an effort because because a lot of women like the outdoors and they don't know how. So there's a becoming outdoors woman that helps. That's a that is that is probably the most important thing we can do long term is try to get people to if you're not involved in hunting and fishing, you could be. There's plenty of places you can go for research on our website and find out about it. If you just like your to watch birds in your backyard or you like to bird watch and walk the trails or if you like to canoe and you like the clean rivers and we've got an environmental group, we've got boating, we've got all if you want to help buy a license. The federal we get a federal match. There's a federal fund up there from excise tax that funds us back. If you buy a thirty five dollar hunting and fishing license, you don't have to hunt and fish. But that money goes to enhance habitat, conservation, environmental, and the federal government matches that with fourteen or fifteen dollars per license. So you can make a fifty dollar impact with a thirty two or thirty three dollar investment. Are we running out of hunters? Are we running out of fishermen? Is is that the problem, or where where lies the I problem? I think we've got. Is it just inflation? I think it, 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 the the opportunity for growth is probably more in fishing because there's more access to water. But we've got a lot of land. Uh, we need to take a look at, in my opinion, how it's managed and in, in, in the opportunities offered, the open seasons, and and that kind of thing. But but with the competition for view sports, video games, um, you know, every kid you see is looking at a phone. Uh, we have the urbanization of a lot of areas that that when I grew up, you know, it was a country town, and I used to ride a horse to the up to the drugstore and get a. Yeah, soft drink. So yeah. that's that being outside. You can't just let your kids go wander now. Except out in the rural areas, it's still pretty good. But in the cities, 
that's a little harder to do. And a lot of parents just don't have the time with working parents and and that's a competition between all that. I, uh, I personally think you always need to somehow go through the parents to get them. I'm not sure how that's done. I, I know one thing. I like this phone, but I'm glad I didn't have it when I was 12. Yeah. Uh, because I'm afraid I would have been on it, too. Well, it, it, mm. you teach your kids that hunt and fish, and, and uh, when they get grown, you won't have to go look for them. They'll be good kids. They'll be good kids. And, and Well, we hadn't hit what Mr. Cox likes to do. He hadn't got, talked about hunting or fishing or got, anything. Got what, about a minute and a half. I should have yeah, done minute. that. That what's was your, on the list. What's your favorite thing to do in the outdoors, and how would you get introduced to it? My favorite thing is in, to do in the outdoors, and we've got a new opportunity to be drawn for a bow elk hunt. But my favorite sport is elk hunting with a bow and arrow. You should see his man's room. It and, looks really good. And, <laughs> He's got some nice ones. Uh, and I turkey hunt, which is the same sport. Spring turkey hunt's the same sport as, as bow hunting for elk, except an elk can smell you. So – uh, I like turkey hunt. Uh, I fish some. I don't fish a lot. I had a boat one time, and it was a great day when I bought it. It was a better day when I sold it. <laughs> I understand. But I do fish some, and 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 I and I, turkey deer hunt. Uh, but my favorite passion is bow hunting elk. Okay, and when, how old were you when you started? Just hunting, period, or fishing? Uh, you know, I was later. I was probably deer hunting. I probably started when I was about twenty-seven or eight years old. Wow. Okay. So there's hope. Oh, that, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, Commissioner, sure appreciate you being here today. I'm glad you and, have me. And uh, care that you care about the agency and, and making us be around for a long time. Thank you. Thanks All right, it. Jason. Well, Doug, you can find this show on tnwildlife.org. Uh, we're there all the time. Yeah. Watch previous shows. Uh, this show will be up soon, and, and uh, hope you enjoyed this edition. Yeah, uh, those changes we talked about in all the deer seasons, uh, Chuck Yost did a piece on it a couple weeks ago, still out there. If you haven't seen it, take a look at it, and we'll see you with another show next week. Yep. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.